we go. That's how we're starting. <laughs> that, 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 whatever noise you just made? Yeah, like, me clearing my throat, that's how we're starting. I saw you got the spider up, that looks nice. Oh, hell yeah, we did. Um, that was... Last, was that last weekend? I have no concept of time. <clears throat> yeah, that had to have been last weekend. It was last Sunday, we spent pretty much the entire day putting up Halloween decorations. It's looking good, you're ready for spooky season. It, it's worth it, but it is... It is a pain in the ass, man. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Sound Judgment Podcast. Where every episode, we'll be discussing all of the important musical topics, from reviews to which member of Motley Crue is the most vile. I'm gonna judge the officials. I'm gonna judge all the judges. It's gonna take you people years to recover from all my opinions. Speaking of spooky season... One thing that everyone thinks of when they think of spooky season is costumes, and we're going to talk about be costume singers today, correct, Jeff? Um, I kind of broadened a little more, and I figured I'd just bring some stuff up to you and see if you had any thoughts or whatever. But yeah, the basic idea is, is, is bands who perform in costumes or in persona or just in character of, of some sort. Okay. So, I've been struggling for the past you know week and a half to try and figure out like how to categorize this kind of thing here so i do have a handful of categories different like almost levels for lack of a better phrase of of how seriously you take this i guess we're making a tier list um, you kind of except it's not a matter of what's better it's a matter of just like taking things to the extreme which which we'll keep going but just start off um what actually made me think of this was bands like it's like going back to the very beginning here, you know, pretty much the the beginning of modern pop music of any sort. Everyone wore a suit. Like that's just what you did. That was just a sign of the times, right? Yeah. If you look up if you look up pictures of of Bill Haley and his comets, Buddy Holly and the Crickets, they are all in matching suits and ties. Um, I know the Beatles did this very early on as well. They were all matching hair, matching suits, whatever. So that's sort of like tier one. That's like the boring level. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then... Now it's circled back around and the suits are ironic. Right? (laughs) In a lot of cases, yeah. So now you move a little further. And now I'm kind of thinking of bands that are in in costume, I think is the only way to say this. So Arthur I'm Brown. thinking of bands. What Arthur Brown? I don't. I don't. Tell me something else that that means nothing to Ar- me. Arthur Who's Brown. Arthur he, Brown? He's saying he's saying fire. He is the guy who came out with the face paint and the and the flaming uh, head headgear. He was like pre Alice Cooper. I actually don't really know a whole lot about who this is. I'm going to be honest with you. This is why I wanted to talk to you about this. <laughs> okay, give me give me one second. I'm going to send you an Arthur Brown clip, and um, I want to find out what when he started. Because I remember he was like one of those first like things that people were very surprised to see for its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let me see when Fire happened. Uh, 1968. And... Okay, cool. I th- All right. I think I think when you when you hear it musically, uh, it's it's not like quite what you might think when you hear he inspired Alice Cooper, but you well, will immediately see what I'm talking about when you see um, how he. You will immediately see what I'm talking about when you see how he presents himself and well, starts the song. Well, also, all of this is a you know 
put it in the context of its time. Right. Obviously, I'm not expecting Alice Cooper pre-Alice Cooper. Like, this is radical for 1968. Oh my god, this man. Sorry, the thumbnail just showed up for me. Give me one second. You go ahead and listen to it. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you... Okay, so no, this is like, this is kind of perfect. So what I'm thinking of here for this, like, level are people who dressed in costume, but they're not necessarily a character. They're not doing interviews in a character. They're not changing their names. It is just a costume for their stage show. I think he is perfect. Um, The example that comes to mind is, I don't know if you know The Addicts? Yes, Early Brit punk, right? So they all, you know, you have a uh, Keith Warren, who's the singer, dresses like a like a like a mime jester kind of thing, right? Uh, crazy suits. They all wear bowler hats. It's kind of Otherwise, a Clockwork re- Orange thing, right? Well, I was gonna say the rest of the band dress like the Droogs from a Clockwork Orange. So they're in the the light trousers <clears throat> and the white shirts, usually sleeveless, and they have the bowler hats. But the singer does uh, like another step. He goes a little more clown like. Yeah. And that adds their, their like, theme. Their whole thing is, like, a circus theme. There are bubbles and confetti and stuff at their concerts. So, they're not changing their names, but they are fitting a character type. I think Arthur Brown is a, is a perfect example of this. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he took this a step further and and played a character in interviews and stuff, even, but... From what I'm seeing here, like, yes, he is perfect. Okay. Um, Screaming Jay Hawkins is another one. I'm sure you know him. Absolutely, he would go yeah. He would go out with, like, a, like the... He, he almost tried to go for, like, an aborigine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now I think a lot of people would consider it kind of, like, racist and inappropriate, but he was product of his time purely going for shock value. He had, like, the bones and stuff everywhere, the bone necklace and whatever. And yeah, he went he for, like, a like, voodoo kind of thing. Yeah, and he would get out and just kind of like scream and wail and do weird stuff over, over his music. It was it was crazy. Um, so there's, I mean, this is. I think this is kind of like. I want to say this is like almost like surface level. I feel like a lot of bands fit this level. Uh, we went to go see that band Avatar not long ago, and they kind of all have like their quote-unquote character. Their lead guitar player is dressed like a king. The vocalist is dressed like a jester. They have this weird... They are representatives from a kingdom, you know. But I don't think they're playing roles or anything. They're not playing up parts. Yeah. So the next step, I think, is when you have characters that are in costume and have kind of a character but maybe not a whole ton of backstories or alternate egos um definitively i would say kiss right right because kiss has you know paul stanley is the star child gene simmons is the demon um ace freely was the spaceman and now that is tommy thayer playing the same like the same makeup the same quote-unquote character um the Catman was originally Peter Chris. Now it's Eric Singer. Go right. figure. The man named Singer is the drummer. Um, and then, like in the early '80s, they had two other characters that never got reused. 
Um, Eric Carr was the Fox from like 1980 to 1983. And then I think from 82 to 83. So in that same time, Vinnie Vincent was the Onk Warrior. But otherwise, they've used Star Child, Demon, Spaceman, and um, Catman. Right? Yeah. And they'll have little bits and pieces of their stage show that fit that. And bits and pieces of the costume fit the makeup and the character. This is why I think KISS can honestly continue to exist without any original members. Just keep having people filling the roles, and the band can kind of live forever. Question is, do we want that? No. I'm just saying they could. But, more interestingly, is when you take that concept, where you have your character that can arguably arguably be played by different people as it keeps going, take that to the next level, and you get Guar. Who just rolled through. Did they really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, very cool. They either just rolled through or they have a show coming up in a couple days. No, you say that now and I remember um, mutual friend of ours. I saw his pictures on Facebook of his like before and after of his shirt, mm. his Guar shirt. So now that you say that, yeah. But there are another ones that they have. And I don't, oh my God, I don't even know how to say some of the names of these characters. But like you had... Blothar the Berserker and Beefcake the Mighty and Ballsack the Jaws of Death, right? But these characters can be played by different people and in some cases have. Yeah, in fact, the guy they have singing now, who I can't remember his character's name, I believe previously was Beefcake the Mighty. And after um, yes. David Brocky Odorous Urungus uh, passed away and he took over the helm of the band, he changed his character. Yes, so Mike Bishop, I had to look up, the man's name is Mike Bishop. He has been Blothar the Berserker only since 2014. Previously, he was Beefcake the Mighty in the late 80s through the 90s. Yeah. So, and I think that's just like a really cool way to do it. Um, I actually, now that you look at it, though, I actually did not realize that ever since David, is it Brocky or Brokey? It's Brocky, right? I, I say Brocky. I believe that's correct. Um, okay. But it's, if it's Brokey, uh, sorry to okay. Brokey Estate, please but don't sue me. I, I believe he is the only one who played the character Odorous Urungus. He was the, yeah, right? that was his band. That was really his, that was his, his project. Yeah. That's why there's so many other, there's so many other people who have been in and out of it. That's why he's been the only just like character that until gotcha, he gotcha. died was the consistent character person. Yeah. I gotcha. I mean, cause like, if you look at their, their band list, again, I, I'm not a huge Guar fan. So none of these really mean a lot to me, but like the character of Flatus Maximus, has been played by Tim Harris, Dewey Roswell, Zach Blair, Corey Smoot. Um, like, that's four different people yeah. playing the same, effectively, character. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so before I go on, do you know of any other bands that fit any of these realms? Do you have anyone that comes to mind for this? Because I have I have more categories that I'm going to get to, which I know. Yeah, that's what I just. That's what I mean. I don't want to. I don't want to say say a band and then you go. Well, uh, oh, actually, no, no. Go another ahead. character or another. No, go but, um, go ahead. Go ahead and, and and bring someone else up because I if I have a different category to put them in, I'll just I'll just so, get into that. So again, I've been kind of fighting with this. Like I want to make a definitive like a definitive chart, I guess, of this. 
I don't right, know I'm why I became so obsessed with this. Are, so I'm go for it. I'm opening up Notepad. What were our categories so far? Okay. And I don't know the best ways to phrase these, but you have bands that dress in uniform, not costume in uniform. So this is like the old, you know, the, the early rock guys, especially. Okay. But like, but like not, spe- not really a costume. No, no but they're just typically matching. Okay. Um, and Boring. honestly, so actually to add on to that, like, it's not unheard of to see that still in like boy bands. Yeah. It was not crazy to see the Backstreet Boys all wearing matching outfits just to fit an image. It wasn't always the same outfit, but it was dressing in uniform. Right. I think that's like tier one, right? So then you had costume. Not playing a part, not making up characters, but in costume. So that's, again, that's you know, Keith... Key- Keith Warren of the Attics is just being Keith Warren, but he's dressed he's wearing, like a yeah. weird jester class. Yeah. Arthur Arthur Brown is is Arthur Brown, but he's wearing Arthur Brown Arthur is Arthur Brown. Brown. Um, Screaming Jay Hawkins, I think. I mean, even though it is like a stage name, uh, he he wasn't necessarily being a character. He was just who he is. This yeah. is what he did. Um, then you had. I don't know exactly what to call this because there's some overlap here. Like, bands that kind of play a character. Again, Kiss is my definitive level of this. Um, They have their individual... They have their individual costume, but it doesn't necessarily mean much. You know, like, Kiss in interviews, Gene Simmons wasn't pretending to be a demon. And obviously, a, the cat man doesn't even mean anything. You know, Peter Chris wasn't a cat. He just had stupid makeup. Um, he could get those so ears and like one of those like Japanese cat tails. Yeah, let's be, not. That'd okay. be fun. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. Um, so then you have and you got people who are playing a character. Playing then you have characters. Guar, I think, is the best definition of this. And then somewhere in between... I was going to say, I think a lot of people I would kind of put between kind of playing a character and completely playing a character. That's where, like, I would put Alice Cooper there. He's playing a character on stage. He uses the same name off stage, but he doesn't really do interviews. He'll, like, make cracks and, like, comments in in character maybe in an interview, but he'll he'll tell long stories just being himself. Yes, um... So there's a little bit of gray area, and this is an area that I'm struggling with. So you have that, and then you have, I'm sure you know the band Steel Panther. Yeah. Right? So they're a parody of, like, 70s and 80s glam rock and hair metal bands. They are playing parodies of these kind of guys. Yeah. Right? So a uh, guitar player goes by the name Satchel. His name is Russ Parrish. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's been around for, for ages, but when he's in... The, you know, the, the the costume, the 80s hair metal garb. He could not have a guitar with him. He's doing an interview, but he's playing a character, effectively. He's doing a parody act of, you know, the guys from Poison and White Snake and Quiet Riot and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So they are kind of playing characters, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I feel, feel a like in that gray areas where a lot of these bands kind of will fall. Yeah, um, yes, somewhere in there. It's it, that's almost like a spectrum. And um, I mean, you got I think a band like you have bands like Ghost, where I think they started off playing a character, 
But that character's been loosening as the band goes on. Uh, now you got fucking Papa Emeritus throwing the opening pitch at a baseball game. It's a thing. Yeah, I I know. Um, okay, you know what? Speaking of ghosts, so that's actually perfect because that's going to bring me to a different one of my categories here, which is bands that at least at one point literally hid their identities. Portal. So not only were they, not only were they in costume, not only were they playing a character, they did everything they could to literally not be themselves. I right? believe that would be Portal. Ghost who? Portal. I don't know what you're saying. Portal. I don't know who this is. That's a so they're like a they're like a black metal band. Okay, so I, yeah, I, I'm not aware of this one. And, okay, um, the the band kind of wears hoods, kind of like like old school Ghost did. But yeah. Every tour, the singer changes his mask, and it's not like a like a like the a face or anything. He, he, like one of them's like a clock, one of them's like a monster mask. I'll send you some Portal masks. Oh, okay, cool. But I don't. I I believe they were um for a while. Uh, no one, like, knew who they were. Not that I think they were anyone significant. They were just... But they were trying to they... hide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from what I found, there is a band as far back as 1982 who did this called T-I-S-M. Mm -hmm. It stands for This Is Serious Mum. Um, they are from Melbourne, Australia, and they all wear, like, white pants, white long sleeve shirts in white like like ski masks they are i think as close as you can get to just like yeah no these guys did not want to be known these guys did not want to be seen um even so i had a hard time finding anyone's actual name like i think they really are for the most part still pretty anonymous you know you can find the names of their "Quote unquote" characters like they all have really awful names. Is one thing I hate about this. Yeah, like Jock Cheese and John Saint Penis. Very nice. Um, it's really lame, which is I'm noticing like a trend among these kind of bands. So okay, real quick, Portal. Okay, these guys look cool. I love these costumes. Uh Clock Dude singing just might be the coolest steampunky ridiculousness I've ever so seen. So these are okay. I'm I'm reading this directly from Wikipedia. Anonymity of the musicians. The band keep their identities obscured and use stage names. Uh, the costumes are composed of suits and executioner masks, and the vocalist, save for the vocalist who is known only as the curator. Cool. And he uh, wears headgear fitting the theme of the latest album. Interesting. So there you go. Uh, the idea for the costumes was developed by the curator and horror who was inspired by fashions of the 1920s and imagery created by actor Lon Chaney Jr. in his roles for the silent film era. Yeah, I was going to say very much this looks these. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This is so cool. OK, yeah, I am not aware of these guys. I don't but, know if okay. you would like the music, but yeah, the costumes are really cool. But I think what they do is cool. And I think they are perfect for this hiding your identities thing. So again, like Ghost, I'm actually really glad I was a fan of Ghost during that era when everyone was trying to figure out who they were. That was just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, it made me wish I were more around in the early days of Slipknot because they did the same thing. I remember, I remember vaguely sitting with my brother and looking up um, like just looking at like Slipknot's website and they were just listed as, you know, one through nine. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And like that was another thing. They they had the masks, they had the costumes and they didn't release who they were. Um, I believe now correct me if I'm wrong. Did didn't Mushroom had to do that originally, too? Did they originally not release their real names at first? Because I believe that was a thing with them as well. You would know better than I would. I have seen one Mushroom Head show and that's almost all of the experience I have with Mushroom Head. Okay. I believe, and this may be incorrect because by the time I was aware of them, it was like you you knew who they were, but I believe they were anonymous originally, you know? Yeah. They had, um like, their bass player just went by the name Pig Bennis. Again, the names are stupid. I remember early on, you know, actually, I think they even might still have two vocalists, but early on, they had two singers. One of them went by Jeffrey Nothing, and I believe the other guy, his name was Jay Mann. Actually, as far as I'm aware, he might even still be around. Yeah, okay, it looks like J-Man is still around, but we now have his name of Jason Popson. Um, I believe they were also anonymous completely at one point. Well, on the the subject of... Oh, do you have more? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I have another band that I think is interesting that literally hide who they are. Have you ever heard of Here Come the Mummies? Actually, yes. I have a coworker who keeps telling me that I need to go see them. You should. (laughs) <laughs> you should. Um, but they're they are the same way. They literally hide their identities. You know, their their names are things like Eddie Mummy and The Flu and Ra and Mummy Yo. Like they're they're I don't know who they are. Now, why they do this, I don't know. I have read that it's because they are all members of different bands and due to like record label issues they're technically not allowed to break contracts and whatnot i don't know if that's true that sounds a little too sensationalized for me i am assuming this is just what they do and it's kind of fun and ridiculous to do it this way but there's another band that again just you don't know who they are it's very it's very fun so who do you know i'll just throw it out there because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a band that you're not a fan of and probably don't like have a whole ton to say about but the residents just i don't think um, like to this day, anyone knows who any of the members of the residents were for sure. I don't know if I know who the residents are. I mean, the name is awfully familiar, but it doesn't mean anything to me. It's also a really kind of generic name. Um, they are the band that taught Les Claypool to sing, I think. And they all just wore, Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Do you know what I'm talking about now? Yeah, never mind. I, I, yeah, never mind. And, and they I, uh, all just, I just wore like a uh, goofy masks and, and, uh, Everyone's in the, in the band's identity was hidden. What she really likes to do is sit upon a pew. And make believe it kind of stop in motionlessness. Planes are stranded in the sky and rains are stopping too. She alone is laughing under iris full of food. I don't think I realized that they were, like, anonymous, though. That's actually kind of funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just thought they were weird. I mean, they're that, too. Well, okay, yeah. Before I bring in another level, another realm of this, do you have anything else you want to add? Any other bands that you think make sense to fit anywhere? Well, you got another level, so we can we can see what that is. Um, I, I think, so far, um, kind of play a character. I guess you could say the Misfits, and most of the bands surrounding that. Um, so actually, okay, I was actually going to bring them up because they're one of the ones I don't, maybe this is just me not knowing enough about where, about what they'll do. Are they ever playing characters or are they in costume? Because in my head, I put them in the same realm as 
like the addicts. Like I wouldn't even put them with Kiss. As far as I'm aware, they're just they have stage names and they have a certain style. But I guess that's true. I think they're a great example of it, but I don't think they're necessarily. I guess we could put them in. I mean, costume. They're, they're not hiding anything. I would say they're in costume. Okay. Okay. So here's one. Here's a, a, a realm that I don't really know how many how many bands really exist with this, and it's I don't even know how to actually phrase this bands that have bands that aren't who they say they are and they have a fake backstory. So, for example, there is a band called Evelyn Evelyn, okay, and Evelyn Evelyn are conjoined twins. They were born in 1985 and they perform together and they write together, except they're not. This is a side project of Amanda Palmer, who we've talked about before and uh, Jason Webley or Weebly. I don't know how he says his name and they dress in the same makeup and they have like cost to have clothes that make them look like they're conjoined at the hip and they sit next to each other and play guitar or piano and sing songs pretending to be Evelyn, Evelyn. Do they wait? So I do have they have no... like a conjoined twin costume or something? Yes. Oh, Here, wow. I will. Look, I mean, seriously, if you just do a quick search for Evelyn, Evelyn, um, and just look at pictures of them, it's they'll wear like a uh, like a big dress that hides one's right arm and one's left arm, and <laughs> like they're conjoined like in the side, like at the hip. Huh. So like whoever's on, like, I want to say Amanda Palmer, I believe, is the right hand. So she'll be on the right side using her right hand, and Jason Weebly is on the left side using his left hand playing a keyboard together as if they are conjoined twins. It's a really, really cool concept. I'm going to send you my favorite picture of them. This is actually just off of, um, like, this is just off of Wikipedia. Okay. It's wild. And it's just, like, a fun concept, but it's, like, they literally made up a backstory for these people don't exist. Right. Like, Evelyn Evelyn isn't really a person. It's just a goofy project. Right. I think the last level of this is bands that literally don't exist. Oh, boy. I was really hoping that we would get to that. Okay, because we are. Fantastic. Um, so before I mention anybody, who do you who do you know of? Who does literally not exist? Well, okay, I don't I I was I I didn't come prepared because I know that I have bands that literally don't exist. But one okay. that one that maybe will go between them. What about bands like um like like the Gorillas or Death Clock that exist like as a project so... that they show up on like a screen while the band plays behind it? That's kind of exact. I, the gorillas are actually my my number one in this category. Okay. Um, because the band Gorillas, right? Yeah. Has members. The gorillas are a band, quote unquote, a band that has members. There's Two D, and there's Noodle, and there's Russell, right? Yeah. But these aren't real people. They're they're characters that are drawn and made up, and you know, like the voice of of Two D is um Damon. Is it Albarn? I believe is how he says his name. Damon yeah. Albarn, right? The, he's playing a character. The gorillas do not exist. You can see them live, but they literally do not exist. 
Um, Death Clock, I never, I never would have thought of because I was never a fan. But I think that's a perfect example. You know, the band had members, quote unquote, who had stories and personalities and that whole show about them that if you wanted to pretend was a documentary, you sure could. <laughs> uh, but it's literally not, those people don't exist. Right. Now, here's my question, though, about them, because this is, I genuinely don't know. Is there, for the for the Death Clock guys, is there a one-to-one comparison of, oh, this character is the bass player, but this real-life person is the bass player? Like, is it possible that these are more of stage personas that they just happened to animate? Or is there, like, weird overlap? Like, the cartoon character who plays guitar and sings, well, that's actually two separate people in real life. Well, that, I don't the, know how that works. Well, the singer... Um, okay, so the... The show is, like... The, in the show, there's a singer and a guitarist. And I think, like, two guitarists. But um, Brendan Small, who created the show does the voice and the singing and one of the guitars, right? So he sings and so plays, even though in the show the singer just sings and there's a guitarist. So he's playing two separate characters. In a way, yes. He doesn't on okay. the show, obviously, so, so there's someone well, voicing no. the guitarist. But a lot, okay, yes, so that, he's playing rhythm. Okay, so no, they are more like the gorillas than I, than I, than I actually thought they were. Yeah. I was thinking there was a one-to-one connection, but no, there isn't. So, okay, that's very cool. Yeah, and then um, I believe okay. that they've had, even though, like... Even though, obviously, there's the, the people who are playing in the band aren't on the show. I believe that they've consistently had either the same or similar band members. I believe Gene Hoagland has played drums on like all of the albums, for example. Okay, so there's some consistency. Yeah, which is cool. Um, oh, excuse me. Okay, so no, that I think they're perfect. I think they're. I think they're perfect. I think another band just like them, not stylistically, but in 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 spirit is the Archies, if you want to go way back to the 60s. Right. Right? They were a cartoon band. You know, they were fronted by Archie Andrews, who played guitar and sang. Archie Andrews is not a real person. Archie Archie Andrews is a, is a, is a cartoon character. <laughs> you know? Um, I want to say the, you know, the band had Archie Andrews, Reggie Mantle, Forsyth Jones, Betty Cooper, Veronica Lodge, and Kevin Keller. But in reality, when it came to the studio who was recording it, I want to say there were like 14 people involved who wrote songs and recorded songs and played different pieces. It was really just like a weird studio project that they then animated stuff on top of. Right. There is no one-to-one comparison. So to get even weirder, let's get into people who there isn't even close to a one-to-one comparison. How much do you know about Hatsune Miku? Oh man, are we getting into Alvin and the Chipmunks level? You shut up about Alvin and the Chipmunks. We're talking about Hatsune Miku. Okay, we're going to talk about Hatsune Miku. I... So Hatsune, Hatsune Miku is a Vocaloid computer program, effectively. Uh, there is a character drawn around her. She is a young schoolgirl. But otherwise, anybody can use her her voice to write and record music with. Especially if you buy the guitar pedal. There are... I mean, yeah, actually. So there is, in fact, a guitar pedal that sounds like Hatsune Miku's voice. You can use her voice in in these contexts. You, you can buy the, the, the program to use the right. Hatsune, Miku, Hatsune Miku Vocaloid voice. So there are 
probably millions of Hatsune Miku songs that no one's ever heard because they're just recorded by some creepy dude in his basement, right? Right. But she performs. Like, thousands of people go and see this hologram projection doing these studio songs, and literally none of it's real. It is a fake voice singing electronic music. So how do they pick the set list? Do they just find some so I songs think, on the I believe. Or... I believe, quote-unquote, the official songs are the ones that are used. Like, there is, like, a team of producers who, like, spearhead this thing, but anyone can use the assets. I believe you have to pay for it, but anyone can use the assets if you want to. Like, it is effectively, like, a, a community thing, which is, I think, part of how it got as obscenely popular in some places as it did. So the real question um, is, if we if we... For for spooky season, do a uh, Hatsune Miku cover of Last Caress. Can we get this to play on stage? No. Damn it. <laughs> Not that I know of. <clears throat> That's a real but shame. Here. I believe that Hatsune Miku could kill a baby today. So here, just because I had to look it up, I wanted to make sure. Um, officially, this is called CV01. It is a Vocaloid software voice bank. Developed by Krypton Future Media. And then they have like this mascot character for it. It is the craziest thing in the world. But okay, just because you brought it up, I have to bring them up too. If we're going to talk about bands that literally never existed, yes, we do in fact have to talk about the Chipmunks. I because... really like when you slow their stuff down to the point where his voice sounds normal and the backing track sounds like doom metal. <laughs> Please throw in a bit here. Would you like you have to give an example of that? That's beautiful. Color me your color, darling. I know who you are. Come up off your But okay, so like the Chipmunks, I mean, I as far as I can find, I was looking, as far as I can find, they're the earliest example of like a, effectively a non-existent group, right? Because I don't know how to tell anybody this, but the Chipmunks weren't actually singing Chipmunks, okay? They what? Were, they, were, they were David Seville, who's a record producer, who recorded himself singing songs and then sped up the recordings to make the Chipmunk characters, except David Seville also isn't a real person. What? We are inceptioning this shit. The Chipmunks were made by David Seville, and David Seville is a persona, a stage character made up by Ross Bagdasarian Sr. We are two levels deep to get to the Chipmunks. What? There is so much fakery going on here. You better never tell me that Josie and the Pussycats aren't real. <laughs> I guess I just won't say it out loud then. <laughs> um, 
Jesus. So, okay. So those are, I don't know if you finished, if you were still writing them down. Those are my, like, quote unquote, categories for the levels of stage persona, I guess. Much like school, I stopped taking notes hours ago. (laughs) That's kind of what I figured. Um... Which is, I mean, that's that's totally, totally, totally fine. So then, so that's what I have here. Um, you mentioned someone who I wanted to just point out again. Alice Cooper is is I think such an amazing example of like the definitive when I'm thinking the phrase stage persona, right? Yeah. Alice Cooper is perfect. He is playing a character on stage that is not like him in the real world, right? Stage Alice Cooper was yeah. you know, spent decades trying to scare Middle America, you know, and try, trying to get himself banned mm-hmm. effectively from every state he possibly could. Real life Alice Cooper, especially more recently, is this like super down to earth, really sweet old man, you know, <laughs> who just wants to go golfing. Um. They used they used to do everything they could to keep him off TV, and now there's two commercials with him on it on basic cable. Are there really what? I mean, I think they're both for Sirius XM, but yeah. Oh, that's funny though. Yeah, but okay. They, they got the they got the one where he's talking about yacht rock at the dinner table, and uh, he pisses off the Landis Morissette. What that? Why is that a thing? And uh, the one where he's list, where he's in his car, and uh, Two Chains calls him Alice Pooper, and he gets mad. Wow. I remember a commercial where I think it was for back to school supplies, probably like Target. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember the summer commercial? This? Yeah. Right? Those are schools out for summer commercial. And then like some kid made a smart ass comment and he goes, School's out for the summer. Like he like corrects them, like, you're yeah. going back to school. Ah, <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh man. I I love the arc that that man has made in his career. <laughs> Um, okay, so those are my those are my categories. Those are my top examples of each one. When I brought this up to you, the original idea was just bands with stage personas. Yeah. So I apologize that I totally went off the rails here, but I became obsessed with with this idea. I mean, as per tradition, you started with one idea and now we have a completely different one. Yeah, that's typically what happens. Before we we cut it here, I just wanted to know: Did you have any other bands in mind that fit anywhere? I don't care. Just when you, when you think of stage personas, did anyone else come to mind for you? Uh, I think I got, I think I got most of mine in. Um, okay, save for uh, Insane Clown Posse, of all bands. Ooh, that actually is a good one, though. Yeah. Um, now I do not know enough about them, so I don't know where I would categorize them. But I mean. You know they have their they have their stage nicknames and they certainly have their costumes. I think other than that, though, they just kind of go under costume. They they're not really yeah. they're not really not being themselves. No, I don't think they're a persona. Sometimes they're not playing characters. I think no. they just are characters and they're in costume. They, but I think they, that's perfect for what there they, are characters. So their albums all have stories, and in that regard, they they're playing characters on the album. But when they're doing interviews. And really, even on stage, I don't think they're they're playing to those characters. They're just kind of no. through the through the through the story of the albums of of blah 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 blah. You know, whatever yeah, whatever yeah, stories exactly. on the album. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, 
other than that, yeah, that was that was the one that that I mean, aside from um, the greatest musician who ever lived, Clownvis Presley. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even think of him. Oh, that's perfect. Now that is absolutely a character. I mean, Clownvis Presley. Quite, quite frankly, I I would say he borders performance art more than anything. Really, like he is playing a part. He is playing a character. Um. Speaking of a band that you sent me earlier today, maybe not in the, the the years before they broke up. I think they kind of broke away from it, but certainly during their peak years, dressing in uniform would be the Ramones, right? Yes. Yeah. So I was going to say, there's a ton of bands that I could fit into some of these categories. Like, just punk in general, there is a certain uniform, so to speak. There is a definite style that shows you who's a punk band. You know, if you... Like let's face it, the the you know Mohawks and and like Liberty Spikes like didn't exactly catch on in a whole uh, in a in many other uh, subcultures, right? Right. So, and even even early Brit punk, there were, you know, they had a what were called like the Teddy Boy suits was like a, a kind of a, a hallmark of the early punk style. Um, the Ramones had their their ripped jeans, black t shirts, black leather jackets, and they all had similar hair. The Sex Pistols were literally all Persona. Yeah, well, I mean, they were they, they were a marketing device yeah. uh, by Malcolm McLaurin. Like, that's not, you know, that's not even up for debate. That's just, like, a thing. They were formed, they, they were put together the same way, like, the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC basically were. Mm-hmm. You know, they were getting people who fit a certain image to market to what was effectively a pre-Hot Topic store. Um, which I think was literally just called sex. So there you go. Yeah, but like that's exactly it. They had a, they didn't all necessarily match perfectly, but they had a uniform. They had a very definitive style that was them and nothing else. You could take, you know, The Cure were the same way. Robert Smith has such an iconic style that he refuses to give up. I, I would almost call that a costume. I don't know what he dresses like when he's just wandering around his house during the day, but I imagine it's probably not all of the makeup with his hair teased out. I imagine that is a costume for public appearance. Almost any black metal band. I uh, Yeah, I actually have them written down, because not only do they have... Um, you know, uh, many, many, the ones who wear corpse paint have their own, like, corpse paint patterns that they will use. Uh, and they so, so frequently have what I would consider to be some of the worst stage names imaginable. You know, like, it is mm-hmm. just peak edgelord for their stage names. <laughs> but they absolutely do. They have, their, there is an image that not only is definitive within each band, but within the entire genre. You can look at a black metal band, not know who they are, but you can get an idea. Those guys play black metal. Yeah. Anytime you see, you know, four four people in white face paint with black eyes standing around in the woods. Yeah, and if they have spikes on their on their black clothing and, and, and whatever. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of I know we're done talking about it now, but this is definitely not something I'm gonna give up on. Prepare to probably get like a more definitive chart or an Excel spreadsheet or something in the coming weeks. I'm very excited for the follow up episode where we <laughs> basically go through the same thing again. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do one of those um the like the like the the, the directional chart 
costume, no yeah, costume, yeah, yeah. to character, to no character. I'll just put all the bands on it. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm into it. What have you been listening to lately? I so okay. So speaking of um of um black metal, just a second ago, what I have been listening to has been so dominated by just a few albums. One of which is I know we talked a little bit about this the other day because I was wondering if you were familiar with them. I was not personally, but I found the recommendation of a band called Obtained Enslavement. So early Norwegian black metal. The The album that I've been listening to is from 1997. It's just called Witchcraft. And it is everything about it is just, I just, I love this. Um, <laughs> so it is, if you removed the keyboards, it is fairly generic, straightforward black metal of the time. But the keyboards are so campy. Like, this is, this is, I know I've made this reference before, but it sounds like the Warcraft 2 soundtrack, and that just makes me happy because that game defined a huge moment in my life. It is that style of, like, bad 80s and 90s synths, um, but it's surprisingly elaborate, actually. I don't know who, I don't know much about the, the members. I do know the vocalist was Pest, who was also in Gorgoroth at the time. Um, but I don't think they were as popular at the time. I want to say they became more popular in the later 2000s when he had already left. So I will say, is that accurate? Is that a thing? I believe that's, I believe that's true. I'm okay. Look, I dabble in black metal, man. No, I know. I just was wondering if you happen (laughs) to know. So I have been in love, absolutely in love with this album, witchcraft and the keyboardist. Like very obviously this keyboardist has an interest in, in classical music. Not that it's overly technical in, in any way, but just stylistically, some of what he does is very pre-1750 music. Um, it's just really fun, and the sounds are campy and ridiculous, and it's just a bunch of songs about, like, witches and witchcraft and warlocks and, and stuff. It's It's fantastic. So I've been all over that one album. It is also the only album of theirs I've listened to so far. I haven't dared stray away yet. <laughs> it can be scary sometimes when you find those bands and you're like, I, I don't know what album two is going to sound like. Well, this isn't even their first album. This is just the one that was that I saw people well, recommend. So I'm just like, yeah. okay, cool. Like If people are recommending this one, I'll give it a shot. Um, also, I've been listening to Constantinople by Ides of Gemini. Do you remember okay. them? Yeah. Because we saw them. Mm-hmm. And now I don't remember who we saw them open for because I've found people. Well, so in my head, in my head, this band Ides of Gemini, who were just like, they are straight up doom metal. In my head, they opened for Ghost the first time I, the first time I saw Ghost. Yeah. But I saw people referencing that they opened for the Mountain Goats at one point. And then I was questioning. Who they opened for? Well, I know that we saw them with Ghost. Is that okay? And then Mr. that that answers my question. Smalls. Then okay, that's that that answers my question. That's what I thought. I thought they opened for Ghost. Um, and uh, so I, again, I only know this album. I know they have other albums, but I only know the album Constantinople. And I don't actually think it's how do I say this? 
it's really not like some flawless, incredible album. I think it's a really cool album, but it's kind of sparse and bland in yeah. certain points. Um, I have seen people say that they've gotten better over time, but I don't know. There's just something about this album that I think is really great, regardless. They did play for the Mountain Goats in 2015. I don't think that's a year that you went to see them. Um, but I think that they dropped off the tour before they came to Millville. Okay. Mr. Smalls. Okay. So again, I mean, I just, um. Because I remember Mutoid Man being there and I don't think you were at that show. No. No. Or or Steven Brodsky of Mutoid Man. Yeah. No, like I just, I knew I saw them open for somebody in my head. I thought it was Ghost, but then. I was just looking them up, and I saw a Reddit comment referencing, you know, I saw them open for the Mountain Goats, and I'm just like, wait, really? Like, is that who I saw them with? And it just made me second-guess everything I knew. Um, And then to totally take a, a change in a different direction, I've also been listening to Miley Cyrus's live album from early this year called Attention a lot. Oh, is it? It's phenomenal. That's why I've been listening to it a lot. You're giving it a lot of attention. Yes, I've been listening to it a lot. It's most it's a lot of covers. Like she okay. covered like Heart of Glass. Okay. Um she's done a cover of Jolene for years. It's a lot of that. It's it's just a phenomenal album. It's just a phenomenal live album. Um okay. up until today, I, that's what I've been listening to for the past like week and a half. Up until today, for some godforsaken reason, I really wanted to listen to The Velvet Underground, and that's what I've listened to most of today. Yeah, very weird. So what about you? Um, it's been a lot of, uh, for, for no particular reason, new metal. I just like wanted to listen to system of a down one day and, uh, it's just been kind of going in that direction. But today while I was editing, um, I put on the recent blind guardian album. Oh, okay. And I'm really digging it. I'm really liking what they're doing with this. They, um, kind of dialed back the symphonic stuff. They still do all of like the choired vocals and stuff. And like, there's still, you know, stuff here and there. Okay. But a lot of it is a lot more uh, in the direction of, like, kind of the earlier stuff. Oh, okay. Really heavy. Oh, so, so it's, cool. it's going more into the heavy, thrashier side that they're mm-hmm. definitely capable yeah. of doing well. I have not yeah. listened to it. Um, I mean, because, again, my, my thing with Blind Guardian, and I know I've complained about this before, and I don't really like to complain about it because I think they're incredible, but I don't like their studio albums that much. I I really just I really just want to listen to the live albums because they overproduce their studio albums to hell and back. I normally I agree with you. Is but, this a good exception? Um, I I think so. I'm gonna send you a track and I'll I'll see what you think. Sure. Okay. New album's called The God Machine, by the way. Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to this, because this this is genuinely really cool so far. 
this is this is actually probably the most excited I've been for in a blind uh, for a blind guardian album in a long time. That and the fact that I see a song called Blood of the Elves, that just sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I actually I've I've only listened to it a little bit today, but I'm very excited to dig further into that one. I will be digging into this soon. That sounds really cool. Uh new Devin Townsend single dropped yesterday. That was good. Oh, okay. I was not aware of this. And I know that um, either yesterday or today, the the new Poppy... Or actually, it was last week, the new Poppy song dropped. Yes, I am aware there's a new Poppy song. Did you hear it? I have not, because I kept forgetting to check it out whenever I thought... Like, I would think about it when I was not in a place to listen to it. So I've heard the new song live, and uh, I really like how it sounded there. I gotta listen to this album, because I wasn't a fan of the mix on the last one. Okay, understandable, yeah. Understandable. Not to not to criticize our goddess or anything, but you know, no vocals could have been louder in that mix. But I completely understand. I have, I mean, you know, a bad mix is a bad mix. Yeah, I, no, I, I literally just complained about Blind Guardian mixes. Mm-hmm. So, if I could bitch about Spotify for a second, it would really be nice if when they made those playlists, they kind of like. I don't know, automatically filtered out remasters and stuff or something. Yes, or so one that gets me is, you know, my uh, my release radar, right? It's the playlist that's automatically made by Spotify of stuff you follow, similar stuff, whatever. God forbid you follow a classical composer. It will let you know every time anyone re-records a piano sonata. Let me tell you, this isn't new. I don't need yet another person's recording of something. But that is... What? You mean Bach isn't dropping the new single? No. No, he sure isn't. What? Um, no, I wish I could filter that kind of thing out because it drives me crazy. Because my release radar playlist is frequently dominated by that. On that note, you are beginning to robot. Just so I, you know. I'm sorry. There's a hurricane somewhere in the world tonight. I understand. <laughs> That's fine. I think we're just about wrapping it up. I was thinking so, too. Are we done yet?